Today on Lockdown Red Wings, the QMJHL has banned fighting. Is the NHL next? You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ News Radio podcast. Did an episode on Wednesday about the repeal of the right to work law. I learned a lot. It was really interesting. If you are into that kind of thing, if you care nice. about that kind of thing, non sports related, give it a listen. Uh, help me stay employed. Appreciate it. Scotty is host of Locked On Tigers, so give him a less, listen over there if you want to help him keep uh, stay employed. And we actually had a really cool episode too. We did uh, our my my first uh, like real tangible like full breakdown of what the uh, opening day roster is projected to look like. So awesome! Kind of it sounds there was an off day on Wednesday, spring training wise. So kind of got a nice free day to just talk about what the roster looks like. I know I gave you crap about it the other day, uh, but I actually am a huge baseball fan. So <laughs> that does sound like a really fun episode as Parker Meadows gets reassigned to Toledo. Fans yeah. are upset, man. Fans are upset. Yeah, um, I know. We've, talk- yeah, we've been covering that a lot. But Speaking of being reassigned, the Red wow. Wings had two what a reassignments transition. as well. It's Dude, a professional I- transition, man. That's why they pay you the big bucks right there. <laughs> yes, the big bucks, indeed. <laughs> uh, the Detroit Red Wings today or Wednesday as of recording this reassigned Zarnik and Matt Luff to the Grand Rapids Griffins from their roster. And that would indicate that whatever three players were dealing with some mysterious ailment must be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we never, we never learned. So Matt Luff got called up in case he needed to go because there were three players who were game time decisions. We never learned who they were. But Zarnik was actually playing in place of Robbie Fabry. So I would hope that by Zarnik getting sent down as well, that would mean that Robbie Fabry is good to go after that scary, did he re-injure his knee, did he not type situation that happened a few games ago. Yeah, for sure. I I definitely think it's good news for Fabs. And uh, I don't know, my money is still on them like – Maybe or maybe not having uh, having like Sat Larkin last game. I think that uh, that's where my money's still at. But um, obviously that didn't happen, and he's fine. And so they they are sending them back down. But yeah, we never really learned anything tangible on any of those injury fronts. Uh, just all for you know emergency purposes. And thankfully, you know the best thing about having a, a safety valve is if you uh, don't have to use it. So absolutely. So I mean, there's not really much to break down in that regard. Just I mean, as much as it, as much as I like the aggressive style that Zarnik and Luff bring, and by that I mean like the fact that they pour their hearts out on the ice because they want to play the NHL level, having them get sent down is a good thing because it means that the guys who are NHL mainstays are more than likely good to go, which is just good news any way you slice it. Now, the next thing too is that the NHL announced some key dates uh, that, and of course, it just Twitter decided to just refresh back to the original page. So, but I got it back. We're good. The key dates in the NHL offseason as of right now, uh, the playoffs start April 17th, May 8th 
is the draft lottery. So as a Red Wings fan, that's probably what you should keep an eye on. May 8th is the draft lottery. Mm -hmm. June 3rd, the Stanley Cup finals are set to start, but could move up if playoffs move faster than expected. June 26th, NHL awards show in Nashville. June 28th through the 29th is the draft in Nashville. So that's another key date. And July 1st, of course, like always, well, not like always, but like always in non-pandemic years, is the beginning of free agency. And so those are going to be the key dates in the offseason that you guys want to keep in mind. So next month, playoffs, two months from now, draft lottery, June, you have the cup final, and then the NHL awards show and draft, and then July free agency. So exciting stuff. Even though the Red Wings uh, season is probably going to end, Scotty, somewhere before then? <laughs> in mid-April, yeah. Mid-April? <laughs> Uh, there's still lots of exciting stuff if you're a Red Wings fan to look forward to in June and July with the draft lottery, the draft, and free agency. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we you know, we've talked about it a lot. It's something that I've really said a lot. This is a, a vital offseason. It, it's it's probably the most important offseason uh, for the Detroit Red Wings in over half a decade at least. And, yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's going to be – it's going to be a fun one. This this will be a high stakes type of offseason for this organization, top to bottom. So uh, very very excited. Side note, Scotty, you are like exceptionally well lit today. It's yeah. uh, it's because it's actually sunny in Michigan for the first time since like before Halloween. So uh, yeah, no, I got like a window open over there, and but I still have like my my normal lights going as well, and it's just really working. Yeah. Yeah, I just got like a tiny little ring light to make my face pop. But then this corner still gets kind of shadowy. Yeah, but you got the red neon sign that no one can read. I what I can read it right now. It says on air. You can, can read it. But I can read it in the reflection. Oh, of, we can't. You're a liar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, let's get on to the actual conversation that we're going to have today. We got the news and notes out of the way. So today I saw it via Tony Ferrari, but lots of people are... The dog, reporting by it, the, the way. The dog. Everyone's got the dog in them recently, but Tony Ferrari is one of them. Uh, <laughs> I had somebody, I forget who it was. I had somebody uh, message me a couple of days ago and was like, not everyone is the dog. I was like, you're wrong. So <laughs> I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> That's not true. So. so Tony Ferrari is the hockey news dog. Yes. And he reported that the QMJHL is looking to ban fighting altogether in their league in June. They have yet to determine what is going to be the punishment for fighting. I would imagine it'd probably be a, a, a suspension. I don't think you can really find junior players who already don't make any money. Right. Uh, but I imagine that the punishment for fighting will be some kind of suspension. I, I guess the length of which is going to be what's to be to be determined. But the fighting in the QMJHL is done. It's gone for good. It was already pretty hardly pretty hard hit a couple of years ago, but now it's done for good. Back in 2016, Scotty, the AHL decided that any fight past your 10th fight of the season is going to be rewarded with a one-game suspension. And then what was it, past like the 14th fight is a two-game suspension. It's 10 and 14 are the two markers, yeah, for one and then two-game suspension after 14, yeah. So leagues across the world and across the country and across the continent are cracking down on fighting. It seems like it's just another aspect of the game that is – kind of beginning to fall to the wayside and we've seen fighting 
like even without the bands, fighting has gone down in the NHL dramatically and the quality of fights too has gone down dramatically in NHL as finesse becomes a lot more emphasized big plays with your stick with stick handling skills and speed become a lot more emphasized and just the game becomes less physical overall. And my question for you, Scotty is I guess first and foremost to stick with the QMJHL is will this change how people scout players coming out of the queue? Because right now fighting is still legal in the NHL, but players coming out of the queue looking to take the step professionally will not have any experience in that physical aspect of the game. I I don't think it'll change much in that regard. Um, As you already pointed out, I think fighting is already limited a lot in the lower levels of hockey and subsequently in the NHL. Uh, they've just naturally gone down because of all of that over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. So I don't think anybody's going to look at somebody and be like, oh, man, like this kid can play, but I don't know if he can fight. So, you know what I mean? Like, I I feel like it, it probably doesn't change too much on the scouting side of things. But I do think there is a systemic conversation about the direction the league is headed in involving fighting. Yeah, and, and we will get to that, but I do want to first say I agree with you about when it comes to scouting the QMJHL, typically when you're scouting the QMJHL, you're, I mean, you're going to scout for everything, right? You're going to scout for any need that you have, and I do think it will have a minute change on, you know, things you consider when looking at a prospect, but, you know, the QMJHL is already pretty well known for guys coming out of there being goal scorers and finesse players. It's kind of their big MO. I mean, it seems like every single time a player comes out of the queue, it's, Oh, they scored 50 goals in the queue this last year. And it's, it's, it's already pretty heavily a finesse league from what I understand. And it's, so I'm not really too concerned about how this changes, how we scout, but I definitely want to talk about that systemic part of the conversation. Um, But first we got to talk to the people today about FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the midway point, past the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download that FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss out the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are talking about the rule change in the QMJHL that's going to ban fighting. And we looked like, it sounded like we were about to transition, Scotty, into the systemic significance of the ban in the QMJHL. Why don't you break down what you mean when you say that? Yeah, well, I, I think... I guess there's there's two things I want to point out. One is that, as we've talked about on the show, I, I covered high school hockey for the Detroit News this year, and there has not been fighting in high school hockey in years, like in like a very, very long time, like well before my coverage when I was in high school. There was, like that, That's been a, a thing for a while. And so seeing much more prominent like junior leagues starting to ban it is not necessarily a surprise to me 
Um, and I, I think when it comes to, you know, transitioning into the, the trickle up effect rather than the trickle down effect of systemic changes, I, I, I don't mean to like relate everything to baseball. It's just like, that's naturally where my, how you're wired. Goes a lot of the time. Right. So, but it, 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 there really is a lot of comparisons in this regard to a sport like baseball where all of the rule changes that happen at the Major League Baseball level this year started like seven or eight years ago as rule changes in independent baseball and then got moved up to like more a little more prominent like semi-pro leagues maybe outside of the country and then got moved into the minor leagues and then moved up to the upper level of the minor leagues and now are major league rules okay that that's that's how a lot of that stuff happens and so when seeing something like this i think the natural question is no matter what your opinion is on it whether you think it's going to affect the nhl one day or not i think the natural question to point to is be like okay well that's another league where like fighting is, is, is completely off the table. Now, is that going to, to have that trickle up effect? I think that's a very fair question to ask. And I think the answer to that is yes, I, I really do. Uh, we, we've seen, I mean, I've seen at the youth level in hockey as well, not just with fighting, but you know, when I was growing up, you could begin to, they taught you how to hit and hitting became legal at Pee Wee, And now they've moved it up to Bantam hockey as a whole is shifting away from physicality to finesse to playmaking and that's just the way the game's gone because it's what people come to see and i know there's a huge and i i love seeing fights too don't get me wrong i know there's a huge part of the fan base that loves seeing fights it's exciting it, it can turn the uh, momentum around on your hockey team but with the increased focus on mental health and the after effects of playing a hard-hitting sport so emphasized now in these in, in just not just the NHL, but the obviously the NFL as well. I think it's the natural progression that as the game becomes faster and more finesse based and more emphasis put on that, that mental health aspect that it kind of gets phased out. And I'm not, I think I struggle with this because if there was a way to make fights safe, I'd say, why would you ever get rid of it? But well, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, you get knocked out and your head goes and crashes on the ice. That's it. That that's happened before. And we've seen careers end and we've seen long-term effects that have happened to players. I mean, obviously Johan Franzen wasn't because of fighting, so to speak. It was just bad hit after bad hit, but brain injuries, they stack. And every time another one occurs, it, it makes it easier for one, another one after that to occur. And for the damage to become exponential. And so it just feels like the natural progression of things with the way that the game is headed and with the way that uh, our knowledge of brain damage has increased that fighting just kind of falls away and out of the NHL. And I think by the time, Scotty, the NHL finally puts the nail in that coffin, it won't feel so outlandish because just by watching the game, fights are already so far down from what they used to be because it begins at that bottom level, right? I mean, we, you talked about it before we began recording. Between the 2016 season and the 2017 season, when the AHL first implemented that fighting rule, they saw a 20% decrease in the amount of fights. And that's going to have that trickle-up effect. That's going to affect 
That's the number of year. fights at the NHL level. That's literally the one year difference too. Yeah. That's the year before the rule and the year after the rule. So by the time they finally, and I do think they will finally put the nail in that coffin somewhere down the line, it's not going to be that shocking to us. I don't think it's going to be as outrageous as it feels now. I, again, like I don't want fighting to go away in hockey be, as just because I feel like it's such an important part of the game. I think it's such a cool facet, but I just don't see a way it can survive in a league with such a focus on brain damage these days and player safety. For sure. And I, I think those are all really good points. I think that um, the, the biggest thing for me is how often we see like the, the attempted prevention of heads hitting the ice in fights. That's like a, yeah. a huge thing. That is a, a, indirect or direct i guess correlation of fighting and like that i i think has has carries a lot of weight because we have we see so many fights that are like oh you know there's skirmishes everybody you know people get a few punches off and then the refs come in and bear hug everybody and it's over and nothing really happened did like, you see the ryan reeves fight the other day that was yes awful. i did that's yes. what i'm talking about though <laughs> oh it, exactly like it, it, it's it, it's it's difficult because you know, the fighting has has also in hockey been some sort of a self-policing system for the sport, right? It's, it's been a way to, like, hey, I'm not going to go out there and just, like, blindside Connor McDavid because I know that I'm going to get my, like, A handed to me, it, you know, in, in the next, you know, 15 seconds after laying out the, the best player in hockey for, for Edmonton. You know what I mean? Like, it's been some sort of a, a self-policing thing. And we've seen so many of like the mic'd up moments where it's like, you know, that the two guys are in the face-off circle and he's like, I have to get you for that. And they're like, what do you mean? And he's like, that hit over there, like I have to, like the boys are telling, like I kind of have to. And you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it has its, its pros in the style of, of how hockey is as well. And, and as you said, it's objectively incredibly entertaining. Like everyone yes from a viewership perspective has always been fascinated with the fact that in hockey, you can just drop gloves and bare knuckle box your opponent. And you haven't, you can't do that in any other like major American sport. And so it, th there's just, there's a lot at in, in the mix here. And, and I do think that it's, it's fizzling out. And I do agree with you that uh, the, the, brain damage and player safety aspect of it is so vital and it, it, it probably will someday just be completely eradicated. I, I, I totally agree with you. And I'm not even saying that that's like a bad thing. It's just, I, I don't think, you know, if people are worried that hockey is going to like ban fighting like next year, I would ask you to like take a deep breath. Like I think we're, we're still a, a quite a ways away from the complete like erasing yeah. Of, of fighting at the NHL level, but uh, I do fully expect and believe that more and more of the junior level leagues are going to shut it down, and then more of the semi-professional leagues are going to shut it down, and then more of the minor league professional leagues are going to shut it down, and then the NHL, even if they don't shut it down right away, is going to do like the AHL thing, and, and it's, it's going to become one of those things where by the time, like you said, it is banned, then you're not even really going to notice a difference in style of play from year to year because 
it's it, already it relatively been, gone. Right. It, it'll it'll have been so long since you've seen a fight anyway that you won't even really notice too much of a difference. You know what? One league is gonna gonna keep fighting until the very last dying breath, though. I mean, probably the NHL. What what league do you have in mind? The Fed. Oh well, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's their bread and butter. Real. I'm, they're like, well, we can't keep up with the speed of the NHL. Well, we can outdo them in physicality. Correct. That is crazy. Go. I'm telling you guys, check out uh, some Motor City Rockers games when you get some tra- get a chance because, uh, I mean, they're pretty still pretty fast. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, no, they you're are right, not afraid of throwing the body around. It is some pretty fun hockey. Yeah, especially at that's the exactly like it's fun, right? Like you just said it. Like objectively, yeah, it's fun. It it's just. It, you know, at, at some point, I think you, uh, it, it's, it's really tough. It's a tough conversation to have, and it's a really fine line, I think, between what you want the league to look like and what rules you want to put in place as well. And I, I think my, uh, we can talk about it after the break, I guess, but I think my brain just goes to like some sort of a happy medium similar to the AHL thing where they allow it, but it's heavily Police. like pushed back against. And if you fight too many times, then you're going to get clapped. Gotcha. So yeah, we'll continue the conversation after this break. Stay tuned to Locked On Red Wings. Segment three, Locked On Red Wings podcast. All right, Scotty, sounds like you got a little bit more to say on there regarding this fighting situation. Why don't you go ahead and finish your thought, man? Yeah, I mean that that was pretty much it. I I, I think again, like the the at the NHL level, I don't expect anything to happen in the near future. I do think we're heading that way. I do think the the trickle up effect will happen. Um, and, and I think the initial move is not going to be completely erasing it. I think the initial move is going to be similar to what the AHL did and do like, uh, you know, if you fight 10 or 15 times, you know, then you're going to get suspended or whatnot. And um, I think from there, then they either keep dwindling that number slowly over time or, they just realized that, you know, not very many fights are happening anyway. You know, what's even the point of, of holding on to this anymore? But I, I think they're going to try to suffocate it rather than eradicate it, right? They're going to try to have enough rules in place to where it naturally fizzles out like it already has been rather than NHL looking like the, the bad guys that ended fighting and, and going up there and just being like no fighting allowed anymore. I think they're going to try to, to suffocate the problem from within. I completely agree. And that brings me to my next question too, Scotty is the game's ever evolving. Every sport is ever evolving. Any sport that tries to stay, stick to its tradition and guns for too long is going to lose its audience. <laughs> Baseball. <clears throat> um, Calm down. All four <laughs> sports have something that like is very divisive in like how the game is played today. Just mm-hmm. then like 20 years ago, like so much. So it's actually, there's a lot of parallels between all four. It's really fascinating to me actually. And so it leads me to the question is like, what, what would be the next big change that you would implement if you could, or you could see realistically, not that you like would want to see implemented, but you think is along the way, because I know I have one. Well, you start then if you have one off rip with me, Scotty, I think that full cages are coming sooner Mm. rather than later. Great NHL. Yeah. And Mickey, I've been saying this for years and I always get called an idiot and I probably will still get called an idiot. And I'm not saying like I want cages. It's the same thing with the fighting thing. I'm not saying I want cages, but just with the way the direction the league is heading. And I mean, even Mickey Redmond freaking said it on the broadcast, Mickey Redmond who played in the seventies 
Yeah, like the king of old school hockey. Yeah, yeah, he was even saying that with the stick technology as it is and how hard the shots are, players are taking pucks to the jaw and they're getting broken, busted. I mean, Zdeno Charo had his jaw wired shut for the Stanley Cup final. Was drink eating through a straw for the Stanley Cup final because he broke his jaw blocking a shot. And so it makes me wonder with, okay, first it was the helmets. Then it was the visors. When is it going to evolve into a full cage? And it doesn't necessarily have to be like that metal cage we see. It could be some kind of hybrid. But as long as the face is fully covered and protected from pucks and flying sticks around because players are breaking their jaw and you talk about the mental health aspect. And I say mental health, I mean as in like concussions-wise and CTE. I mean, I can only imagine that having a jaw, your jaw shattered by a puck, does a little bit to rattle your brain as well. Well, I, I, I agree with you. And I, I do think that we're, we're more and more headed in that direction. But I, I, think, I think with all of these, you're going to have to see it implemented in the lower levels. They'll test it out, see how it works. And I, I don't think any of these things we're really talking about today are coming, you know, in the next like two or three years even. But uh, I, I do think that that's something that's like, like, again, with baseball, you could see it all coming. Like, because like all of the rules you see today were in the minor leagues last year and two years before that they were in the lower levels. And again, like I said earlier, so it's going to be a wave and then it's going to be here. I mean, baseball just added new protection a couple of years ago to the players at the, at the plate. Correct. Yeah. hundred percent. So it's, and, and you know, the, the fascinating thing about whenever these happen is like how the, to your point about the evolution of the game, how the style will change Like, I wouldn't even be surprised if after they, whether they did the, the, the full cage or whatever, if block shots went up, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, I don't have to do like the, the head turn. I don't have to like, guard, you know, worry about my like, just throw it out there. You're, you're good. You got whatever, whether it's a bird cage or not, like you're going to be, your, your, your head is going to be a lot more protected than it ever has been. So I, I think there's a, a lot of fascinating conversations about that. Again, I, I think with all four sports, there's there's kind of like the I don't want to call it old school versus new school because I I don't really think that it's that black and white and like that it's that a hundred percent as far as like groups that want it. But uh, I, I do think that there's there's a lot of systemic changes that are going to come across all four sports to kind of cor- not correct but realign uh, the, each sport with with what was originally intended of it. And baseball is obviously one that's already doing so. I completely agree. And I mean, there's other changes to it. Again, when it comes to the cage thing, I know it's hyper, like that's a hyper controversial thing to talk about because nobody wants cages ad and people talk about how it worsens your sight lines and things like that. But my big, they played their entire lives wearing a cage up until they made it to juniors or professional, depending on where they went. Cause you have to wear a cage in college too. So yeah, you're telling me that I, I just so I think the players will adapt. I mean, people have said it's gonna make it harder players for players to play. Adapt. Well, that's exactly it. People have been saying it's gonna make it harder for players to play the game every step of the way, every time they've added a new piece of equipment. And every single time the equipment has improved and the players have adapted. And I if in a perfect world they wouldn't have to wear a cage because I think they look ugly as sin. But well, yeah. If you were, if the NHL is taking it seriously and fighting's on the way out, like it is in the QMJHL, you got to imagine that eventually 
cages are mandated as well. And I know they're even talking about this new Tyler Sagan rule where players are getting lacerated so much that they're trying to consider some kind of protection that'll stop skates. I know Eric Carlson, where ever since he got his, I hate, I shiver thinking about it, but he had his Achilles severed by a skate blade. He's yeah. been wearing Kevlar socks to protect. So, you know, change isn't always a bad thing if it helps keep players healthy longer. You know, can you imagine if, you know, Connor McDavid, for instance, let's say, gets his jaw broken by a shot and has gets a concussion and is out for half a season. If he was wearing a cage, and this is all hypothetical, obviously, but if he was wearing a cage, he'd be healthy for longer. And who knows the long-lasting effects that that could have on a player at, of any caliber, not just Connor McDavid. So while it would change is scary and we don't like it, if it helps keep your players healthy for longer and you get more fun years out of that player and your championship window stays open for longer because they're healthier longer. Isn't that a good thing? And yeah. And obviously post, you know, playing career health has been a big uh, talking point lately as well. And it would certainly improve that too. So I, I know, you know, like you said, a lot of people don't, uh, don't really like change and and certainly there's a lot of people out there that like the like older school you know like super physical hockey and whatnot and uh, i'm you know none of this conversation has been saying what's right and wrong to like or or believe as far as the sport goes but uh i, I think you know if, if you are very anti this like i i I think it's coming i don't think it's immediate i don't think it's next year or two years or even three years from now but I think you're, you're, but you know, by the end of the decade, you know, by the time we hit the thirties, I think you're probably looking at, at some of these things being implemented. Yeah. I think that's just the direction that the game's going with this emphasis on skill, speed and player safety. I, I just, and I could be completely wrong. I've been completely wrong on many things, but I mean, Hey, if Mickey Redmond agrees with me, <laughs> then I feel like I'm on the right track. Good call. All right, Scott, do you got any other uh, thoughts, man? I don't think so, man. We ball. We do ball. We'll be back with a new episode tomorrow, previewing the game on Saturday. So stay tuned. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day.